0: Uh, I'd like to get a little bit of movement. I've got to try and get my steps in, eh? <laughs> That's good. Hey, um, it's so good to be with you guys. And yes, welcome to those that have come for the first time. Uh, my name is Frank. Uh, and this is all pretty new for me, so you might not actually be new, but I've only been here for a month now. So um, my wife and I, we pastor this church. And it's been such a privilege just getting to know everyone uh, and to go to the gather with you guys on Sunday. I love how we can just keep things real casual, um, and just come together and just spend time with one another and with the Lord. Uh, so just yeah, one other quick notice for the camp: if anyone has medical training of some form and you're happy to be like a camp nurse, that would be great. Um, we don't foresee anyone getting injured, but you know you want to be safe rather than sorry. We are looking at getting a like a um, big water slide to go down the back hill there. Um, Hopefully that doesn't get shut down. If anyone's like, "Oh, that's breaches health and safety," don't shut that down. But we just need a little someone that might, you know, be able to step in if someone does get a graze or a knock or something like that. Um, so yeah, if you have any medical training of just, you know, first aid stuff, that'd be great. Come and see me or Corti or Danny afterwards. Um, also, um, in regards to uh, our little prayer list, if you, I know there are people that are praying for Amy and I but we do really appreciate you continuing to pray for us. It seems like ever since we've um, taken on this role, there's just been constant sickness running in our family. Um, for some weird reason, it hasn't affected me. I haven't got sick at all, but Amy and the kids almost every weekend, um, there was. we've had COVID, we've had um, several just 24 hour temperature things. We've had um, a viral infection. Sophia spent two nights in hospital. Like It just seems like every weekend there's been something, um, and I don't want to be like over-spiritual and kind of be like, oh, it's the enemy every time we get sick or anything, but it just seems like it's happening too regularly uh, to just be a normal, natural thing, when really we don't tend to get a lot of sickness in our family. So appreciate you guys continuing to pray for us and just covering us. But yeah, I'm excited to share with you guys today. I wanted to uh, take this opportunity, because like I said, this is really only just been a month. Um, to share something that Amy and I are quite passionate about uh, and something that we kind of, I guess, will be bringing with us um, and something that's already established here in the church and we want to kind of continue to see grow, uh, and that's unity. We love um, we love building unity as, as a church family here, but also among other churches in our community um, and in the wider city of Tauranga. It's something that uh, really beats strongly in us to be unified as a congregation, to be unified um, with our Carmel service, uh, and to be unified with the, the, the other local churches here in Tauranga. And kind of this, um, I guess, this passion for unity has kind of been birthed from uh, a place of, I guess, maybe frustration in terms of kind of reading what the Word of God says about the importance of unity. But seeing how our society kind of operates, especially among other Christians and churches, there seems to be a little bit more separation at times than actual unity. And so while I, I totally understand and I celebrate the diversity within the church body, how we have different church movements, different denominations, uh, I'm also grieved to see that sometimes those things can become a barrier between one another whereby, oh, because I belong to this movement or this denomination, you belong to that. Like, we can't really kind of get along or I can't celebrate the success that you guys are having because you know, it seems to have bred this uh, these barriers and a sense of competition sometimes. And that really grieves my heart uh, because to me, unity uh, is not uniformity. It's not that we all need to be the same. It's not that we all need to be uh, like one another, I think that would be horrible if you were all exactly like me or if we were all exactly like Logan um, You know we'd have a lot of fun, but we're all meant to be diverse Like we're all little images of God Which is just amazing to think that there's what seven billion people and we haven't even started to scratch the surface of, of who God is like that's just a small snippet of what our God looks like of all the different expressions of who he is His, his characteristics Um, And so unity doesn't mean uniformity. So it's not about being all the same. But the reason why Paul uses the body as a metaphor to describe the church is because just as a body requires different diverse parts, fingers, toes, hands, head, uh, working together in unity in order to operate effectively, if the foot decided it didn't want to walk, um, you know, it's pretty hard to get around then it's the same for us as a church. We need the diversity in our church. We need uh, different members, different expressions of our faith and our worship and our love of the Lord uh, in order to really operate effectively, to achieve the call that God has put upon his body, the church. And so I celebrate the diversity that we see in different denominations, but again, that that sense of frustration that has also brought a a sense of separation and, and some barriers. And so kind of my heart is to see, I guess, a uh, bringing down of those barriers. And I love that that's already something that we we do here in this church, um, that we've, we've chosen because of our history to uh, to be non-denominational, interdenominational, um, but also that we have relationship with other churches here in our community in Welcome Bay and also in Tauranga. And so Amy and I would love to just see that continue to grow um, and, and become even more so. Um, and so kind of a, uh, a, a verse that God has really talked to me about these things and taught me things, uh, and has been like a life verse for me is Psalm 133. And so this morning, I really just want to read that to you, um, draw out some things that God has kind of taught me from the verse and then just finish with just some practical ideas of kind of how we can, um, maintain and build unity. Uh, here in our congregation and with others around the city. So, if you have your Bibles, turn with me to Psalm 133. It says this, How good and pleasant it is when God's people live together in unity. It is like precious oil poured on the head, running down on the beard, running down on Aaron's beard, down on the collar of his robe. It is as if the dew of Hermon were falling on Mount Zion. For there the Lord commands his blessing, life forevermore. And so in Psalm 133, the author basically makes this initial statement about unity, that it is good and that it is pleasant. And then he uses these two kind of metaphorical languages to describe what unity is like before concluding with that unity leads to this blessing of life. And I think unity is is somewhat unique in that it is both good and pleasant because not everything that's good for us is necessarily a pleasant experience, and vice versa, not everything that is pleasant is actually good for us. And so, for example, this week um, I, I got a gym membership for the first time in, since I've had kids because you know with kids it's impossible to try and you know, have that time. Um, but decided need to make a priority. Um, to look after myself so that it can be there for the kids long term. Um, and while I know that running on the treadmill and lifting weights is good for me, the next day it was not a pleasant experience. Um, actually, even the day off, when I'm going to gasping for air after running for just a couple of minutes on the treadmill was not a pleasant experience. Um, but I know that it's good for me, and so I continue to do it even though it's not pleasant. And then the opposite is also true. So likewise, things that are pleasant are not necessarily good for us. And so this week I finished a fast uh, and tasting food again for the first time in a few weeks was very pleasant, I can say. But I knew that if I was to overindulge like I wanted to, that that wouldn't be good for me. You have to slowly reintroduce food. You have to be very um, restrictive on what you eat and how much you eat. Otherwise, your stomach just freaks out and you end up in hospital. Um, So even though it was a pleasant experience and I just wanted to eat, eat, and eat, I knew that it wouldn't be good for me. And so not everything that is good is pleasant and not everything that is pleasant is good. However, the psalmist says that unity is both good and pleasant. So it's not something that we have to endure because we know eventually it's going to be good for us. And it's not something that we have to be you know, cautious of because if we get too much, oh, that won't be good. Unity is both a good thing that is good for us and pleasant to us. And so that's the first thing uh, that we kind of pull out of this, this psalm, that it is both good and pleasant. And then the psalmist uh, starts to emphasize kind of where unity comes from through his language. And so he emphasizes this downward motion. So he says it's like oil poured on the head, running down on the bed, running down on Aaron's bed, down upon the collar of his robe. It is like the dew of Hermon coming down upon the mountains of Zion. Which says to me that unity isn't something uh, that you and I generate. It's actually something that comes from above, down to us, that God is the source of our unity. that it's from God and it comes down to us. And unity, uh, there is a a kind of an earthly kind of unity that we can form. Uh, It can be based on people that we like or similar interests or, you know, commonality. Um, But biblical unity is actually based on Jesus. In John 17, Jesus prays, for his disciples, and also for all that will come to believe through the message that his disciples will spread. He says, I'm praying not only for these disciples, but also for all who will believe in me through their message. John 17, 20, 21. I pray that they will all be one, just as you and I are one. As you are in me, Father, and I am you, may they be in us so that the world will believe that you have sent me. And so God is the source of our unity. And Jesus is kind of the foundation of, he's what unifies us. Because when unity is based on um, maybe a person, like if unity, if we're unified because Frank's the pastor, well, what happens if I finish or someone doesn't like me? Then, you know, you become just out of unity, you become disunified. Um, Or if it's based on, uh, you know, something that we have in common, the reality is our hobbies change, our life circumstances change. You know, when I before I had kids, I used to go to gym all the time. And me and my brother used to kind of bond over that. And then I got married and started having kids. And there was just this kind of natural separation because I didn't have the time. And he was still single and had lots of time. And then he got married and realized I wasn't just being an egg. Like, actually, you don't have a lot of time when you get married and stuff. So, you know, life just changes. So unity can't be based on something that changes because things change. Um, But when unity is based on Jesus, who never changes... Uh, that means we can continue to be unified with one another. Because all these other things, you know, are subject to change or subject to to disappoint us. Uh, but Jesus never changes and never will he disappoint us. And so just kind of um, an example of like a, a, an earthly uh, unity, the Tower of Babel. And so it says that, you know, God had instructed the people to, to go, to spread out, to fill the land, Um, to produce and to multiply. Uh, But they gathered together and they were of one mind uh, and they were unified under this one goal, which was to create a name for themselves, to build up their own reputation in order that they wouldn't be scattered um, as they had been instructed to. And it was an amazing kind of unity because God comes and sees what they're doing and and says there's nothing they couldn't achieve. They could do anything that they wanted because of how unified they are. Um, but it wasn't a unity that was based on Jesus, on God himself. It was a fleshly kind of earthly unity. And most likely it wouldn't have been sustainable because you know, our human nature is um, someone would have stepped up and it would have been about them. Like it might have been about the group at that point, but eventually one person would have kind of risen to the top and decided that we should all be unified under me and that never works out. That never lasts very long. And we see examples of that in the Bible, but also in our history as well. There's tons of examples of people um, that begin unified as, as a movement, but it never lasts. However, unity that's based on Jesus, that lasts. That's unchanging. So unity comes from above. The, uh, the psalmist then speaks of unity, and he uses this beautiful picture um, of oil. And speaks of oil being poured out upon the head. And that it begins to saturate the head and make its way down onto the clothing, Uh, which to me means that there's an abundance of unity. And because unity comes from God, there's no short supply of it, right? Uh, And it's not meant to remain in one place. Like it would be very unnatural for someone to try and stop the oil from kind of getting past their head. Uh, it would look very strange for someone to try and prevent that from happening. It's very unnatural. Unity being used as as an oil kind of metaphor is meant to move from one place to another. Uh, And there's an abundance of it. It's meant to saturate. And so the unity that exists within our congregation is awesome. But it's not meant to stay here either. Uh, It's meant to spread out. You know, there should be unity between us Um, And the church that meets over in in the school, the church, the Baptist church that meets down in the community center, and even the church that's going to meet here in a few hours um, later on today. This unity is meant to spread. It's meant to saturate and and go out and go forth um, and be in unity with with other like-minded people, other followers and lovers of Jesus. So unity is abundant. And the last thing that we see in this psalm is that unity is transformative. And so the psalmist speaks of the dew of Mount Hermon falling upon Mount Zion. And so, if you know anything about the geography of Israel, Mount Hermon sits way up in the north uh, of Israel and extends into to Syria and to Lebanon. Um, while Mount Zion is further south, more central uh, to, the, to the country, about 250 kilometers south. Uh, just outside of jerusalem and on the border of the the negev desert and so the two places are in stark contrast if you look at a map you'll see that in the north it's very green they get a lot more rainfall up there Um, the mountain gets snow and so when you know summer comes the snow melts and it continues to water uh, the grass and so it's a very green and lush and, and fruitful abundant place but as you move south on a map, it starts to get more kind of orange and more desert-like. Um, and that's because there's a lot less rainfall down where Mount Zion is. And so what the psalmist is trying to say is if the dew that, you know, just naturally occurs at Mount Hermon, which is suddenly fall upon Mount Zion, that there would be this transformation um, of the entire region, that no longer would it be this dry desert place. But it would be a place of abundance, a place of fruitfulness, and so what he's trying to say is that unity has that transformative effect. Uh, that it will transform a family, it will transform a community, transform a city and a nation when the the body of believers can can come together and be truly unified uh, in their pursuit of Jesus. It'll bring transformation. It just it, it can't help but bring transformation because if uh, concludes with. Where there's unity, there's a blessing of life. And so the transformation comes because the Lord blesses that with his life forevermore. And so it's just a, a very natural progression. It's not something that we have to um, try and manifest and so try and create this this transformation, this life. It's just something that God pours out when he sees his people dwelling together in unity. I think it gets Him excited and he can't help but just... know be in that place and he's attracted to it and so to me psalm 133 teaches us that unity is good and pleasant that it comes from above that god is our source of unity that it is abundant and that it's meant to move uh, not remain in one place and that it's transformative and so just in kind of wrapping things up and how how to maintain how to build Uh, such a unity so to me it's not that unity is the goal it's not like we need to strive after being in unity Uh, to me that would kind of distract from you know jesus he's our our pursuit that we're we're being transformed into his likeness so it's not that we're trying to um, make unity the goal but when we're all in pursuit of jesus unity just tends to happen Um, But it's also something that we have to be intentional about because our our fleshly nature can be to isolate or separate ourselves or um, to have like an us and them perspective. And like I said, I think the diversity that has come uh, throughout the the expression of, of our faith is wonderful. I think as long as we all agree on who Jesus is, and what he has done, then kind of all the other things that, you know, some denominations emphasize in terms of theology or others express their their worship a little bit differently, that's not really an excuse to, to not be in unity with one another. As long as we believe that Jesus is the Son of God and that he died on the cross for our sins and was resurrected and now sits in heaven, everything else to me is kind of just a discussion rather than a point of separation. And so how can we maintain unity to me firstly uh unity has to exist between you and god right if he's the source of our unity there can't be unity between us until there's unity between you and him and so our our relationship with him just it takes time takes intentionality spending time in his presence whatever that may look like if you feel closest to god in nature go for a walk if it's in you know music and worship Put some worship music on, learn learn an instrument, spend time with him, whatever it is, build that relationship with God, read his word, pray, um, create that unity between you and the Father first. And then in terms of, as a church, maintaining our unity, gathering for Sunday services. The Bible, um, the author of Hebrews says, do not neglect the gathering, you know, make it a, a... an intentional thing, something that you you strive after. So do not neglect the gathering of of the brethren. So coming for Sunday services, hanging around for the tea and the coffee afterwards, um, getting together during the week outside. You know, Sunday is just a couple hours once a week, but we've got so much time outside of this that we can be gathering and hanging out with one another. Um, Coming along to the monthly prayer meetings, coming along to the the men's and the women's events. Something that I'd really like to probably start next month or the following month. Um, it's like a monthly potluck dinner. Um, I've always had like uh, life groups or home groups or whatever you, know, you want to refer to them as. Um, and so I think starting off with that, you know, as a kind of a smaller church, just once a month coming together, bringing something that's homemade, just all hanging out together on I I don't know, Thursday night or something like that. Um, Is just building relationship with one another, worshiping together, maybe taking communion together, having fun, um, you know, having some game nights and some trivia stuff. Um, that's kind of ways that we can build relationship and build our unity. Um, and building unity with our Carmel service as well, our Carmel congregation. If you haven't come to Carmel, just come. As far as I'm aware, it's other than like young kids, um, just for the sake of. They're a bit of a tripping hazard. Um, You guys are more than welcome to come, 11 o'clock over at the the Carmel Retirement Village. I love that service. I was really unsure, like, how's this going to go? But to be honest, like, both our services are just as good as each other. And it's a little bit more um, traditional in terms of singing some hymns and stuff. But man, like, their love for Jesus, like, you can just feel it. And they are... Men and women of God that have pursued him for years and years and just have beautiful stories of faithfulness um, and obedience to him. And so building relationship between us and our Carmel congregation is a great way. I mean, they, they kind of struggle to get over these ways because of driving and age and stuff. But we can go to them. Um, I know that the ladies came along to the last women's event, and that's awesome. Some of the guys come to the, the uh, breakfast that we do once a month. But yeah, building relationships with the carnal service. And then in terms of um, the body of believers, the wider body as a whole, I think there are things um, that we can do. I'm, I guess I'm still kind of learning what there is, but I'm sure there must be like kind of citywide gatherings of some form. Like I know that we used to have um, that prayer gathering, I don't think that's still happening. But there's things that are, that are happening. But for me, even if we just change kind of our language and our mindset, of how we view other congregations like sometimes we can just use language that almost puts us in competition with one another you know instead of celebrating um you know the curate church or the change point church or these other churches we can almost see it like oh they're so big we're a bit smaller you know oh they went and did this and like but actually celebrating them Um, You know, when Paul talks about the body, uh, he talks about celebrate um, the things that are worthy of celebration and then grieve with the things that are worth grieving because, you know, their success really is our success and vice versa. And so changing our language, changing our mindsets, um, not viewing us as in competition with one another, um, but praying for them, blessing other congregation, you know, speaking words of life, you know, not getting caught up in the gossiping and the slandering that can easily happen. Um, just because maybe things people do things slightly different to what you're used to or what you prefer. Um, But actually, yeah, celebrating that diversity uh, because God has created them and and loves it as well. And so that's kind of just, I guess, a little bit of of my heart and Amy's heart is just to see a continuing growth of unity among us as a congregation and also us and the other churches in our area. Um, and so let me just finish with prayer and then did we did we want to do another song, bro? Or just finish with prayer. That's it. That's it. I think we'll just finish with prayer. Um, but if you guys want to come up afterwards if there's anything that you want prayer for um, or anything like that, please, the leadership, myself, we'd love to, to gather with you and do so. And so Father, I just thank you for today. Thank you that you were present in this place. Thank you that you were faithful to, to always show up. And Lord, I just pray of this uh, this word of unity, God. This is something that you've called us to, something that um, that you love. You know, your word, you made it clear throughout your word that you hate disunity. You hate the ones that sow discord. Um, you are the the perfect and supreme example of unity, this Triune God um, operating in, in perfect harmony. So I pray, Lord, that. You would teach us how to be in unity with one another and how to be in unity as a wider church body, God. I think it grieves your heart when you see you know, believers just arguing with one another or um, not getting along as you so wish. You said that it would be through our love for one another that the world would know um, that we would be an example to them. And So I pray that you would help us to love our fellow Christians and to celebrate the diversity that exists within this body, um, that the hand wouldn't try to be like the foot and vice versa, uh, but we would remain as you've called us to be, uh, and that we'd be faithful to you. And so I pray, Lord, that you would grow the unity that is in this congregation, you would grow the unity between us and the Carmel service, Lord, and vice versa, and that you would grow the unity in a church body uh, here in total and this nation, Lord. So I pray these things in your mighty name, Jesus. Amen. Amen. Awesome. Bless you guys. All right. Thank you, Brent. Uh, please stay and have a cup of tea, coffee, develop that unity. Um, spend some time with Martin Luther, Edda, and Ebenezer, because today, I think they leave on Thursday, so um, make sure you spend a bit of time with them. Um, But take on board what Frank said, like if you look at our newsletter at the top, it says to to know Jesus, the only way we're going to do that is through this book, to share his love, he came to serve, uh, and it's up to us to serve our fellow man, uh, and lead people to him, and the only way we can do that is by having lives that look like his. Mm. So uh, just um, finally, let the, the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ and the love of our God and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you all and everybody you meet in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. 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 I was going to hum, but... <laughs> Sorry. going <laughs> to miss you, man. Yeah.